0: Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We've got to change our perspective. We're asking God to go with us wherever we go. We need to flip that and go where God is leading us to go. Another reason I think Paul called it light affliction is because he understood the urgency of now. It didn't matter what he went through in this life because he knew he had a mission and a goal to reach as many people for God as he could. Why? Because God told him to? Yes, but more importantly, he had a revelation. He finally understood that the path he originally was taking was the wrong path. And when God got a hold of him on the road to Damascus, he had a life-changing experience One that he realized it wasn't just about him and his salvation, but he got a hunger for getting as many people saved as he possibly could because he understood that, yes, this suffering is temporary, but so is this life. And we only have so much time now to get as many people saved as we can. As Christians, we have a mandate from our Savior to reach the lost and dying souls of this world. But oftentimes we talk ourselves out of a witnessing opportunity for various reasons. But people like the Apostle Paul tried to never miss an opportunity. He was so sold out to Jesus that he went through multiple hardships, including beatings, being stoned, shipwrecked, thrown into jail, just for witnessing to others. But we get scared to even mention the name of Jesus at times. It's time we raise our expectations and treat our hardships like the Apostle Paul did as light afflictions when compared to the eternal weight of glory. In today's message, we'll take a look at what it means to impact our culture for Jesus. My prayer today is that the words that come out of my mouth would be the words that God would have for you this morning, that you wouldn't hear Herman, but you would hear God. Uh, I don't know what God's doing to me. It's really kind of jacking me up. (laughs) I'm a pretty jovial dude, and I like to cut up, and I don't know, he just had me in this real... Serious place here for for quite a while now, and every time I think I'm coming out of it, somebody like Bobby or Dale drags me to somebody else to see and to hear, and God just keeps dunking me, and so I'm trying not to miss my opportunity to just be closer to the Lord. And I feel like what I'm trying to share with you guys is that same opportunity, but it's going to take a shift in our focus. And it's not a new message that I'm preaching or teaching today. It's not new scriptures. It's not new word. But, you know, I found out that being a teacher in the school systems, sometimes you just had to keep saying the same things over and over again. As a parent, sometimes I just had to keep saying the same things over and over again. And I don't mean it to be that, you know, you're not doing right and I'm doing right. I think this word is for me as well as for you. But I think if you'll just kind of put everything out of your mind that's going on around you and just listen to what God's been laying on my heart, I think you'll be blessed from it this morning. We had the opportunity yesterday as men, and really everybody got a chance to kind of come together. We had a men's fellowship in the morning time, and then we had a women's fellowship that evening, so that was kind of cool how God worked that out, and uh, the report I got back from Tammy was that the women's relaxation meeting was just that, that it was just fantastic, and she said, y'all relax for about an hour and a half, and they got fired up for prayer and... uh, not really sure what time you guys done, got done doing that, but we kind of had a similar meeting yesterday morning with the men. We had a, a really good guest speaker, and he got done, and Dale asked uh, Rodney to share just a minute, and then God just started pouring out again, and, and we had prayer for. We had, a, we had a good meeting yesterday. That's all I can say, but amen. Yeah, you can give God praise. And like Joni's saying, I, I think that's what's happening. I, God is moving. God is moving. And and I, like you guys, for a long time I want to be involved in that. I just want to be where he is because I just feel so much better as a person inside. I physically feel better when I'm in his presence. I don't know how you are. People have asked me, you know, how do you know you're hearing the voice of God? I don't hear an audible different voice like Moses heard at the burning bush. It's just a different feeling that comes on me. It's just something inside that I feel, and I just know, okay, that's the Lord speaking to me, and I better act upon it. So I want to talk to you today, I want to, I want to talk to you about raising your expectations. And I shared with you briefly last week, it was kind of off the subject, but on the subject, about some of the things that I've been going through witnessing to people, and some of the fear that's come upon me, and that's not like me, that's not what I've experienced as a youth, and what I experienced as a young adult, so somewhere along the journey, I got scared. And I got afraid. And and I don't mean like somebody was gonna do harm to me. I think it was more just embarrassment or people would reject what I'm offering them. It wasn't like they were gonna just punch me in the face, but fear is fear. And I've been praying about that a lot lately. And so today I wanna talk to you about raising expectations. And I'll put myself out there, but I feel like a lot of you are in the same situation as I am. But I don't wanna embarrass you. I'll use me. My expectations over the years have lowered. And part of the reason my expectations have lowered is because I just, I have not been surrounding myself on a constant basis of the things of God. So I want to talk to you today about refocusing, living in a different world than what we're living in now, but ultimately raising our expectations as we minister and as we reach out to a lost world. We want to impact our culture for Jesus. And I think a lot of you have have experienced some of the same highs and lows that I have. And sometimes I, I feel like I've got that under control. I know what it means to impact our culture for Jesus. And then I sit with God and he begins to lay out a case that says otherwise. And he begins to show me that I really have not been doing what I used to do. And so we want to kind of circle back, back to the basics. You're never too old to go back to the basics, right? And I just want to start in Matthew 22, the 36th verse says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then I talked to you last week about Paul. And over in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning in the 16th verse, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We talked about Paul's light affliction. And again, if you'll bear with me, I want to lay out the case here before I get to the main point of what I'm talking about today. Paul's idea of light afflictions were detailed a little later in 2 Corinthians in the 11th chapter. And he was talking about, he said, are they servants of Christ? And he begins to lay out the case that he was beaten times without number, often in danger of death. He received 39 lashes from the Jews uh, five different times, three times beaten with rods, once was stoned, three times shipwrecked. It goes on and on and on. And this is Paul's version of light affliction. So he set all of that up. And the question is why? Well, one reason this was light affliction is because Paul had a revelation that this life he's living is temporary. And the temporary afflictions he's going to receive right now fail in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. What he's doing right now is minor in terms of suffering compared to what it's going to be like when he dies and goes to heaven for that eternal perspective. You know, it occurred to me that a lot of times we ask God to be a part of our world. And this morning it hit me then maybe we should be asking God if we can be a part of his world. We've got to change our perspective. We're asking God to go with us wherever we go. We need to flip that and go where God is leading us to go. Another reason I think Paul called it light affliction is because he understood the urgency of now. It didn't matter what he went through in this life because he knew he had a mission and a goal to reach as many people for God as he could. Why? Because God told him to? Yes, but more importantly, he had a revelation. He finally understood that the path he originally was taking was the wrong path. And when God got a hold of him on the road to Damascus, he had a life-changing experience, one that he realized it wasn't just about him and his salvation, because Paul could have gotten saved, and he could have just gone about his business. He could have continued to just live a good life, to pray, to read, to talk to people here and there. But he got a hunger for getting as many people saved as he possibly could because he understood that, yes, this suffering is temporary, but so is this life. And we only have so much time now to get as many people saved as we can. Paul understood that. He understood that urgency. So my first question to you today is, why did you become a Christian? Do you know why you're a Christian? Was your encounter with God as vivid And as life-changing and transformative as Paul's was, there are many people I run into that say no. They weren't blinded by a light on the road to Damascus. There are some that definitely have that life-changing experience. They were delivered from drugs or alcohol, lives of crime, different things like that. God came in and really arrested their heart, and they realized that they needed a Savior. But there are also those of us that understood that God was important from the beginning, and we didn't have to go through all of those torments and anguish to realize we needed a Savior. People like me in that position where I accepted Jesus at a young age because I just understood he was the way. He was the right way. I didn't need to go through anything in this life to prove that to me. I didn't have to be, you know, broken and uh, addicted to drugs or alcohol or anything to understand I needed a savior. I understood that at a young age. But what happens to us when you go through it like I did, you don't feel like your testimony is as powerful as somebody like Paul. You say, well, I I did get saved, but it wasn't like this life-changing moment. Herman, tell me your testimony when you got saved. Well, I got to be honest with you, after church service, the message just really struck my heart, and I realized, you know what, I need Jesus, and so I did what I was supposed to. I accepted Jesus. That's it. There's no, I was in a ditch begging for my life, hurting and bleeding and drowning, none of that stuff. So what happens is I begin to internalize that and say, it's not as powerful as Paul's testimony. But I hope you do realize that every salvation is as powerful and as vivid in Jesus' mind. He's just excited about my conversion as he is Paul's conversion, as he is the thief on the cross's conversion. He's just excited about all of those. We put different levels of salvation and different levels of sin and different levels of things. God doesn't. God says, look, I want all of you. I want each and every one of you. So when we're talking about going after the heart of God, that is the heart of God. That's why God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. But he also said, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say read a lot of scripture. He didn't say pray without ceasing. I'm talking about when he gave the two greatest commandments. Pray without ceasing is in the Bible. But look at what he said. He could have chosen anything. He didn't say get along with the Father all the time. He said, look, love me with all your heart. Everything that's within you, you better love me. And I'm going to tell you the next most important thing. Reach this world. Love your neighbor. We have to remember what God has done for us. For some of us, he brought us out of a horrible, horrible life full of nothing. We were chasing something to fill a void. We ran to everything that we could think of and everything we could find. Whether it was girls or boys or it was alcohol or it was drugs or it was promotions or it was money, it doesn't matter what it was, we were chasing something that wasn't God. But then one day God came in and arrested our hearts. We have to remember what he did for us, what he rescued us from. We have to remember what we're called to. We're not called to live a good life. We're called to reach the nation. We're called to reach this world for him. We're called to go out into the world. What does it say in Matthew, the 28th chapter? It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Not just the United States of America. All the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end. We have to find that same urgency That Paul had. We have to find that same urgency that Jesus had. We have to find that same urgency that God has. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if that young man or that young woman that we're meeting today in the store or in in line somewhere has tomorrow. And we can't be okay anymore with just saying, hello, do you know Jesus? We got to follow up. We got to dig deeper. We have to raise our expectations. Our expectations have been lowered because we have either been burned or we're focusing more on what we need to do rather than on other people. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is focusing on other people. Matter of fact, ourself ought to be the last thing we're focused on. You know, our focus has got to be on things eternal. I I love the fact that there are so many great pieces of wisdom in the Bible, and every one that I find definitely helps my life out, and I'm able to get closer to Jesus, and I'm able to live a more abundant life, but I've got to have that urgency for other people to want that life, and I can't take no for an answer. You know, sometimes our focus gets off. We get to thinking about other things. We get to worrying about what we've done, whether we're worthy enough to witness to somebody, you know, it reminds me of this little boy who was putting together a jigsaw puzzle, and he was really struggling with it. He he tried for, for hours, just couldn't couldn't even figure out how to start with it. So he finally just asked his dad to come help him, and he called out to his dad, and his dad said, absolutely, I'll come help you. And as his dad's walking into the kitchen to help his son, he, he asked the little boy, he said, well, what, what's the picture supposed to be? He said, well, the box has got a picture of a tiger on it. The dad comes in, and the kid's still working hard, and the dad's looking at the puzzle pieces, and he's studying them, and he goes, you're right, son, we're not going to be able to start. He said, I'll tell you what, the first thing we're going to have to do though is we got to pick all these frosted flakes back up and put them back in the box. Why did I say that? Because our focus is so on something that's not what it's supposed to be. We're so focused on these frosted flakes we think is a jigsaw puzzle. We're so focused on making sure we do the right things that we're forgetting that there's a whole world out there that simply needs to know who Jesus Christ is. So what stops us from witnessing? You know, one of the things that stops us from witnessing is a lack of belief. And you think, no, I believe in Jesus Christ. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of us don't believe the end is near. How do I, how do I know that? Because I, I struggle with that. Why? Because I hear every time I go to a meeting, the end is near, the end is near, the end is near. After a while, you just become numb to it. And you begin to go, well, the end is where it is. I don't know. It'll be here one day. But what happens is I end up lowering my expectations. I don't fight for that urgency because in my mind I've now said maybe, maybe it will be today, maybe it will be tomorrow. But if we knew for a fact we had one hour left, would you even finish listening to me? I hope not. I hope that you drop everything you had run outside and go try to find as many people as you can to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's what John the Baptist was doing. That's what Jesus was doing. That's what Paul was doing. It's what the disciples were doing. Why? Because they wanted some uh, treasures and and stuff in heaven. No, they had an urgency. They understood. They wanted other people to have what they were going to have. And they knew time was limited. See, your suffering is not just temporary, but the time you have to actually recruit people for the kingdom of God is temporary. You're only given so much time. And we don't know how much time we have. We don't have time to wait around until tomorrow to go witness to that person. We need to witness today. The other thing we think about is we have a lack of belief on can I really make a difference. Isn't witnessing for the evangelist? We just read Matthew 28. He didn't say evangelists now go into the nations. He told all his disciples. Are we disciples of Christ? If we are, then we have a command. We're to go out witnessing to everybody, telling them about Jesus. Can you make a difference? Yes, you can. You know why? Why? Because you know what that person's going through. Because you're going through it or you went through it. How did you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? That's all they need to know. Why did you choose Jesus? That's all you need. If you know why it means something to you, that's all the testimony you need to be able to witness to somebody. To tell them why they need Jesus. You don't have to have a fancy sermon. You don't have to have 33 bullet points on getting them there. It's simply, why did you accept Jesus Christ? They need to accept him for the same reason. The other reason that we struggle with witnessing, I believe, is for a lack of understanding. Again, we're working so hard to make sure we're living a good Christian life. And I don't have a problem with that in general. I don't think you should go out here and just forget about living a good Christian life. That's not what I'm trying to say. But we forget that our life is not our own. Galatians tells us that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Our life is not our own. If we have given our life to Jesus Christ, it's no longer our life that we live. It's no longer our life to try to live abundantly. The the other one is fear. You know, I went to Crystal, I believe, on Monday after I shared with you guys that I was struggling with that. I get to go out to lunch with Dad and Joni and... They do a great job of ministering to whoever waits on us every time we go. And I see that, and I'm able to hide behind that because they're jumping at it. I get to sit back and just watch. The problem is that because I've sat back, when I get that opportunity, I'm not taking it. And I confess that to you. Why? Because I knew I needed to work on that. I needed to stop being scared. I didn't even know why I was scared. It might have been laziness. Maybe it wasn't fear. I don't know. The point was I wasn't reaching out, and I needed to reach out. I needed a witness. So I went to Crystal for breakfast and the young man was there and I almost chickened out again. See, that's why you got to die to the flesh every day, right? Because every time you get up, it wants to, you know, backtrack on what God just revealed to you. But I'm there and I remembered what I said in church on Sunday and I, I, you know, I've got to step out in faith. It's just isn't that difficult. And I, and I, I looked at the young man and I said, do you know that Jesus loves you? And he he got a smile. I guess he got a smile. He had a mask on, but his eyes raised up and the ears went back. It looked like a smile to me. And he said, I sure do. He says, matter of fact, my dad's a preacher. Oh, my dad's a preacher too. And we talked for a couple minutes. And I took my food and I left. And it's like immediately God said, I appreciate that, but you still missed an opportunity. See, my expectations were low. My expectation was simply that I'd tell that young man that Jesus loved him. That was it. That was my only expectation. I didn't have an expectation of leading him to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't even ask him. Because we all know that just because your dad is a pastor doesn't mean you're going to heaven, right? I didn't follow up with him. I missed an opportunity. So later in the week, I believe two days later, it was Wednesday. Joni and Judy and myself were here, and a young man comes in off the street and He was a little intimidating. We're not really sure why he was uh, like that, but you just never know what people are going through. So he might not even realize that he was kind of presenting as very defensive, but he was looking for some help. And so we told him, you know, we we can definitely immediately help you out with some food. Let's get that taken care of right here. And so I took the young man to Zaxby's, and I just took every opportunity I could to minister to him and talk to him. Turned out that I knew the young man from my teaching days, and he'd fallen on some hard times and made some bad decisions. And so I asked him, I said, do you know that Jesus loves you? And guess what he said? He said, I sure do. You know, my mama preaches. I said, I'm not missing this one, Lord. I got this one. And I said, now, you know, just because your mama preaches doesn't mean that you're saved. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) And so he said, I sure do. I've just made some bad decisions. And I began to minister to him on repentance. The door was open. I got to minister to him. I didn't get to lead him to the Lord, but I got to maybe plant a seed, but my expectations had risen. With my previous expectations, I would have stopped again after just saying, do you know Jesus loves you? Okay, we've got to raise our expectations, and I looked for that opportunity. We got to talk a little bit more, ministered for him, dropped him off where he wanted to go. He shut the door, I turned around and drove away, and God said, man, you did good, I'm really proud of it. but you didn't pray with him before he left. (laughs) I said, okay, Lord, I'm I'm getting there. I said, I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting there, you know. So (laughs) so I'm looking for another one that's coming. I know he's coming. You know, I'm going to minister to him, and I'm not going to miss that opportunity. Now, part of the reason I didn't pray with him is because, again, I was focused on me. And this is not to beat myself up or to beat you up if that's where you're at. Again, the focus of today's message is to raise your expectations. Eventually, I want to get to that point where I'm not thinking about me and the fact that I reached out. I'm doing it because there's a sense of urgency, because there's something... Uh, more at stake than just whether or not I reached out and tried to witness or minister to, to this young man or this young lady. There's something greater at stake there, and when I grab hold of that, when you grab hold of that, it's not going to matter. You're not going to forget to pray. You're not going to forget to ask. See, I think about Miss Beverly a lot when I think about witnessing, and I got to be honest with you. If Miss Beverly was here, she would tell you the same thing. But Miss Beverly's kind of pushy. <laughs> I've never had Miss Beverly come into the office to ask me if I have time to make copies. But I guarantee Miss Beverly leaves with however many copies she needs. <laughs> Why? She has an expectation. And she's not going to take no for an answer. But she does that with witnessing as well. So she's an example that I've seen in my life where I'm like, you know, my expectations I think are just a little bit low. I'm happy because I said, does Jesus love you? Miss Beverly doesn't care about just asking, does Jesus, do you know Jesus loves you? I'm not even sure if that's her first question. And by the way, I'm not condemning you if that's your first question. That's not the point. The point is she doesn't take no for an answer. She keeps hounding you and hounding you and hounding you. And guess what? She continues to have testimony after testimony after testimony about leading someone to the Lord. She doesn't get every one of them, but she gets a lot because her expectations are high. we got to change our expectations from low to high. We've got to think about our afflictions as momentary and light like Paul did. We have to understand there's an urgency. We have to understand that that's why Jesus came and took the beating that he took because it was a temporary affliction for something way greater, an eternal weight of glory. When we grab hold of that and we get that sense of urgency, then we won't take no for an answer. Paul had a revelation. He understood that salvation was not just for him. It was for the whole world. You may be a good person, you may be a good Christian, but what about your neighbor? You're saved. Do you know whether or not your neighbor is saved? Do you know whether or not your co-workers or the guy or the girl that's waiting on you in the convenience store or the fast food place or the restaurant? If you don't know, have that sense of urgency to find out. It's got to be more important to us. Let me leave you here with a couple of thoughts. If you'll back up to one slide there to Matthew 7, 7, we've heard this scripture many times. I want to try to put a little bit different spin on it for you. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. How many of you have heard that scripture before? How many of you have quoted that scripture before? Right? Whenever you run up against an obstacle... Whenever you run up against something, we use the Scripture. What if we added salvation to it? What if we asked God for somebody to lead to the Lord? What if we begin to knock on the door of heaven and say, Lord, show me somebody. Lord, give me that urgency. Would God give us that urgency? You better believe it. Because James is the other one I always like to quote. And it says, paraphrase a little bit, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask of selfish motivation. If you'll have your heart lined up with God's heart, everything you ask for, you'll get. Which means if God's heart is for this world and for salvation, you don't have to wonder if you can ask for that. You can ask him for people that need Jesus, to give you that sense of urgency for people that need Jesus. And I'm going to go one step further. Surround yourself with some people that have that sense of urgency, that have those testimonies to build you up. I know that's part of what's going on, as I've been exposed to several meetings here lately where testimony has been coming forward about the great works of Jesus. If you do that, you will begin to get excited and on fire for God, and your expectations will raise up. You know, let me, let me tell it to you one other way. I'm a math guy. A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C. I know most of you don't understand what I'm saying there. It's okay. (laughs) But I'm going to try to break it down for you in terms of what I've been talking about today. First of all, let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer. I don't want you to feel condemned, but I do want you to kick yourself in the rear end. If you didn't, did you even invite anybody to church today? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? They don't have to come to the physical building. We stream live every Sunday. They can watch. When's the last time you reached out and asked them to come and be a part of it? Amen? So if you were sick and you were dying, is there anything you wouldn't do to try to get better? Is there any treatment you wouldn't explore? Let's say you had all the money in the world and all the resources, so money was no object. Is there anything you wouldn't try to do to get better? That's A, okay? If there's nothing you wouldn't do to try to get better, and Jesus told us to love our neighbor as ourself, then there should be nothing we stop at to try to heal this sick and dying world. And the only thing that's going to heal this sick and dying world is Jesus Christ. And we've got to quit thinking of temporary healings. And we've got to start thinking about eternal healing. See, we can't stop in spite, we got to keep going in spite of any sicknesses or diseases. If you lay hands on somebody, they don't get healed right now, don't let it slow you down. Keep trying. Keep praying. But the more important is, are they eternally going to be well? If they were to die right now from whatever sickness or disease that was on their body, would they be eternally healed? You see, that's what Jesus is looking for from us. If we were sick and dying, there's nothing we wouldn't do to try to heal ourselves. And if we're just supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, there shouldn't be anything that we wouldn't do to try to heal our neighbor who's sick and dying from sin and disease. Amen. Paul had high expectations for reaching this world. Jesus had high expectations for reaching this world. God has high expectations for reaching this world. What are your expectations? How high are your expectations? You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.